0: arrived here at Northbelt our first Sunday back in 1986. Um, You might remember that we had a we were in the other building, of course this building didn't exist, there was a prayer chapel over here but we were in the other building and um, it was packed in there. It was packed and so I was quite excited that, you know, the church had so many people showing up and uh, one of the deacons eagerly shared with me that, oh, they didn't come to hear you. Uh, They came for uh, Mrs. Turner's 100th birthday party. And so uh, we'll be back to normal next week. And we'd be back to the thirty-five. So we had over a hundred there that day. But anyway, so I got—I was quite a bit, and, and it was true. The next week we were back down to thirty-five, and we were the—we were five of them. So I said all that to say this is our last Sunday without Pastor Will for a while. Guess what? He's going to be here next week. And um, so he and I've been in communication about the preaching schedule and. He's a he's a little fireball. He's ready to he's ready to go. And uh he's already told me, unless he's changed his mind, he's already told me a series he's gonna start in. And so I'm gonna go ahead and take the first Sunday and give them a chance to kind of just get a breath from traveling down here and, and the move and, and all of that. So I'm gonna take the first Sunday and then he's gonna take the middle Sundays, and then we'll work on the very last. But Anyway, y'all pray for him, and it would be encouraging, I'm sure, to him and to others if, if people came. But it, but you know, we would like to see a, a, attendance increasing as he comes along, and and I think people will be fed the word of God, and uh, and he's going to add some some uh, some dimension. Uh, to the ministry here I believe is going to be very special and that's why we believe God has called him here. So let's support, let's encourage, let's pray, let's do our part to do everything we possibly can to encourage this man because he's leaving his home state, he's leaving his his church, the church that he's been a senior pastor for seven years and uh, he's coming here To help us and encourage us, and so uh, I really, I really hope that we can do our part. So uh, it's going to be a special time, and then we're going to. I've already talked with Mel last last time they were here, and I think we're going to try to have a fellowship for them, a, a welcoming fellowship, toward the end of the month since Mel and Eris have been are gone out of the country. So we're going to probably do some sort of fellowship toward the end of the month. And I think that's going to be very special. So we're looking forward uh, to to uh, Pastor Will coming and encourage. So <clears throat> I, I've got a lot to cover today and I really I don't want to rush through it, but I want to be thorough enough um, and so if you would, let's start real quickly at 1 Corinthians 13. I just want to read this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, <clears throat> because we're going to be referring to some during the message. We're going to be referring back to 1 Corinthians 13 at different times. So, and I want us to really think about this how it applies to us as individuals, each of of us as an individual, as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. How does this apply to me and my life and my part in the body of Christ? Verse 1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, if I don't have love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So get the picture. First Corinthians 13. And I've said this. You've heard me say this in recent weeks. God operates out of his unconditional love, his agape love. He uh, this is how he operates. I believe with all of my heart when he brings discipline to the child of God, he's bringing discipline because he loves us. He he any anything that he allows that is in our life to conform us it's not out of he's because he's mad at us it's because he is doing good for us all things work together for good so we need to understand that God is operating out of his agape unconditional type love it's the kind of love that only God has you and I can't we 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 can have it through his spirit, through his word, but as humans, we're not capable of loving. It has to be, we have to be the branch. He has to be the vine, producing his fruit through us. That I can't produce it myself. I can't practice it in the mirror. He has to produce his character through me, through his spirit. So, if I have not charity, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, so I've got knowledge and prophecy and and faith, and I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to the poor, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, a martyr, I give my body to be burned and have not love, charity is, it profiteth me nothing. So I am nothing and it profits me nothing. So this is big to God that believers have Love, his love living and dwelling through us. Charity, and then this is the description. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. It's not prideful. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is, this, is, this is a characteristic. Is not easily provoked. In other words, some people say, well, they've got just they just have a short fuse. No, a Christian doesn't have a short fuse if you're going to be walking in the spirit. You're not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Now, there's a lot of applications in this thinketh no evil. That means my mind is not to go off into darkness and think about evil immoral things. But also we have to be careful that we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ that we don't think evil of them. We don't think evil of them. So we have to be careful. This is the the battle for the mind and our thoughts and how, how we think. So we have to be so cautious that we do not allow evil to enter our thinking about each other are going off into the immorality and darkness of the world it rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in truth bears all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things now let's i've got my thompson bible here and off to the side Beareth all things and believeth all things. This is important. Beareth all things is forbearance. Forbearance in the body of Christ. What was a simple definition? I gave this years and years ago. What was a simple definition of forbearance? Anybody remember? It's a very, I bet you do, what? That's exactly right. You've got a great memory. And she does pay attention. But I mean, and I know you can really expand. You can go to all these different uh, concordances and theologians, and but but a simple, if you want, just a simple definition in forbearance is putting up with some things with other people that you really don't care for, right? That that's it. that's forbearance. And and guess what? In the body of Christ, you think there needs to be a little bit of forbearance? We need some forbearance. How about in a marriage? I love the analogies about the husband and wife. Forbearance in a marriage. How about a little putting up with a few things that you don't really like? That you really didn't even know till you got married. You just thought you knew. And you're so googly-eyed and so you know, off the chart, and all of a sudden you wake up and you said, I married a real human being. And, and so there's some forbearance that has to go on. Some putting up with, Believeth all things. I, I did a research on this one time in years past, and believeth all things is, is really a simple way to understand that, is always thinking the best of others. I'm going to tell you, our suspicious, doubtful, critical minds have a real ability to always twist and turn and think the worst and think the, you know, you, know, you see somebody whispering over off in a corner and you say, I, I bet you they're talking about me. I, I, they're talking about me. I know they are. Well, we, if you really have God's kind of love, you will think the best. They're probably working out a strategy to win that old lost boy to Christ. You know, there ought to be, ought to be a, a thinking the best in people rather than always thinking the worst. And so it's believe with all things, hope with all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is a part shall be done away with, or done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, is love. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts as we think about these issues concerning love and how it's related to the body of Christ and how it's related to marriage how it's related to families, how it's related to uh, our relationship with each other. And I just pray today that you would just do a great work in our hearts and our minds and that we would leave here changed people, that we wouldn't be the same. We wouldn't continue on the same habits and go, continue on uh, listening to the same wrong voices. And I pray that our minds would be renewed and that you would encourage us and speak to us and that you would have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. So in the way of just kind of a mild introduction, um, my title for the message is how to have unity in the church. But you could say how to have unity in the family, how can ha- you can have unity You know, in different places, it doesn't just have to be the church. So I really enjoy several topics i enjoy i really enjoy preaching salvation to sinners i love i love preaching i love preaching uh salvation and and going over salvation with people i mean i've never gotten over that i still i just love it to this day i love dealing with god's purposes in trials and how god uses trials to conform us to the and develop his character in us through trials and that's a that's That's a a topic I love to cover. But you know as well as anyone else, you've heard me for years I really like teaching and preaching on the importance and I believe this is the heart of God. I just believe with my heart. This is what God really wants for His church is unity in the body. I just believe that with all my heart. And so It's important that sinners hear that they need a savior, and they are lost without Jesus Christ, and they're going to end up spending eternity in hell, and they will suffer hellfire and brimstone, and they will be the—it's the place where the worm dieth not, and they're going to be. There have been Christian film organizations try to replicate and, and. and try to make movies about what hell is like, and there's nothing out there on this earth that can describe how terribly awful uh, hell is. We can't. We can preach it, and we do preach it, and we warn people, but we can't imagine what it's like I mean, and and this some of you might have experienced this, you know, every now and then we'll have a little fire. We've got a fire pit in our backyard, so we'll have a fire. We'll be barbecuing or we'll be doing something, and I'll get close to the coals or close to the flame. And it's very rare that I don't think about hell when I get that close to the fire. I think I think man if this hurts this bad and I'm this far back can you imagine forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and and the pain of that what it would be like to cry out to die and not be able to die and the pain be just so dreadful I just can't imagine it so People need Christ, they need the Lord. Children need the Lord, youth need the Lord, young adults need the Lord, married couples need the Lord. People all around us in our family need the Lord. And you know, we all think that we're going to live to be 110 and die in our sleep, but it doesn't happen that way. Our builder, you'll remember me mentioning this before, but our builder was 59, and he had cancer and he was gone in a very brief, like less than six months when they diagnosed him. In 59, he was a happy guy, honest man, one of the greatest men and became a friend of ours after he built our house, would call us around Christmas and wish us a Merry Christmas. I mean, it's just incredible. And we got the news that he was dying and we went by to see him at his, in his house and he was in a hospital bed. We saw him on a Tuesday and he, they, he was dead on Friday. So it's just incredible. We have to be aware, and this is important, this is important. Preaching the gospel is not just for preachers. Preaching the gospel is not just for preachers and missionaries. Preaching the gospel, giving away the gospel, telling people of their need for Christ, that's all of our jobs. That's all of us. Every one of us have an opportunity and should take opportunities to tell people about their need for Christ. So uh, I, I think it's very, very, very important. Now, trials, all of us have trials. We all experience trials. Your trials are different than my trials. I have my trials, my set of trials. And so but we need to understand how God uses trials. He is in his permissive will. He allows certain things to come our way to conform us to the image of his son. So he knows what it takes for me and he knows what it takes for you. So he allows certain things to conform us. And my job, my job in the trial, my job in the trial is to accept and receive his grace because the scripture says his grace is sufficient for thee. His grace is sufficient for thee. And I love the illustration of the big dump truck backing up. We've got a situation going on and the big dump truck backing up and it's just the bed comes up and it opens up and it starts dumping that grace, the load of grace from God so that we can endure the, the trial, go through the pressure, go through the situation that God has in his sovereignty has allowed. And we have a choice to make. We can either stiff arm God and say, I don't accept your grace, or we can fall on our face and accept his grace and he pours his grace upon us. It's our choice to decide if we want to receive his grace or reject his grace. And if you reject his grace, guess what? You're going to start spiraling downward and you're going to begin to sin and you're going to be able to look back and you're going to say, I don't even know if I really am saved and go on and on and all of that. But if you accept his grace, people are going to look at you and say, I just don't know how you're doing what you're doing and you don't get any credit for it, you tell them it's all God and not you. So, it is by God's grace, and you and I have an opportunity to help each other through that. So, trials are huge. Trials are important. And God uses them to develop His character in us. Now then, turn if you will to John chapter 13. If Mr. Jones was here, he would say, "Do you realize how many times you've used this verse?" (laughs) I just wonder if he's in that great cloud of witnesses and he's still keeping track. God bless his heart. He just he he put up with me. He loved me so much. A new commandment, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So this is about how, listen, there are people, my wife and I, this is one of the things we enjoy when we go out to eat. And we have the opportunity to eat out more probably than we've ever had in our lives. But uh, it's very often that I'll bring up the subject, I'll, I'll ask, uh, in fact uh, there was one, we were celebrating uh, Anna Grace's uh, or charity's birthday here a few months back and we were all, the fields were there and we were in gringos in, in College Station New Gringos. And so so the they had like four or five waiters and waitresses waiting on all us because it's a big group. So I said, okay, here's my challenge to you people that are waiting on us, my my little group. I said, um, if you can guess on the money, how long she and I have been married, your tip will increase. And these people took it seriously. I mean, They were, you know, they were looking at us, you know, they were standing over there, they were in a group, you know, they were calculating, saying, oh, this is, you know. And they took, we've done it before at Cracker Barrel in different places, and some of them they'll just kind of throw out a number, but, and most of the response, most response, they'll say, you know, 32 years or whatever, when we say 52 and going on 53, they they just gasp, say, we don't know anybody that's ever been married that long. In fact, we know very few people who are even married. You know, that's their response. <laughs> but... I'm serious. That's what they're saying. So, anyway, but so these people were really serious about it and they got fairly close, but they missed it. And I said, Well, you're just going to get a normal tip because you, I said, had to be on the money. And boy, they were kicking dirt, you know. Oh, man. uh, We missed about four months. See, I told you it was that. It was that. And they were going back and forth. We had more fun. But what was I talking about? Um, I'm just kidding. This is about the importance. So, They'll ask us, well, what's your secret to success? I've had that many times. What's your secret to long marriage? And instantly, without even thinking about it, I always say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Well, then there's one other little final thing that I kind of add, kind of for a little humor. And I'll say the secret, the real secret is Jesus Christ. But a little extra is that I get the final word. I get the final word, and the final word is always, yes, dear. <laughs> and that's how you last 53 years. May I tell you, man, I hate this because I'm running out of time already. I got to tell you all something real quick. This, And some of you are going to say, oh, he should have spent more time preaching the word. But this is just, this is how we work together. We talked to somebody here in the church the other day and said, well, do y'all have a, a limit on the finance? I mean, do y'all, how do y'all work, you know, agreeing and not agreeing on purchasing things? So my wife and I on, on most everything, we like to be in agreement. So uh, here just recently, I, I, they call it getting on, a, they say, oh, daddy's on another trail. He's on another trail. He's he's looking up some more, you know, something. So I was on a trail for a little more home security. Okay, I was on a trail for a little more home security. And now Linda says, you know, we've got two fences between us and the nearest road. And we've got German shepherds and we've got all this stuff. So anyway, so but I just wanted a little. So I first started off with a, you know, A nice set of cameras and a monitor and, you know, and you can do it on your phone and all that. So she said, we just have other things, Rod, that I just really don't think we need to spend that kind of money on on that. I mean, don't you think there are other priorities? I said, oh, sure. Yes, there are. And so I kept searching and kept looking and uh, I came up with another plan. The guard line, the guard line thing and you can add sensors to that. So I said, well, that's cheaper than cameras so I can put a few sensors around and I'll have one at the gate and one in the front do- door and one at the back door and, you know, it'll have these different signals. And that got it down to around three of those, around $75 or so. So I told her she said, okay, Rod, if you really, really feel like that's important for the family, Okay, go ahead and do it. So I don't order. I mean, I, I shop Amazon, but I put it in the cart. She does that. I don't, I've never ordered a single item on Amazon. She always does it. So I put it in the cart. So I put, it, I put those three sensors in the cart and she said, okay, let's, I, I, it's okay. Let's get it. If, if you really feel, I don't need, think we need it, but it's okay. So I looked the other day and I said, my, sen- my sensors that she said that she was going to order were moved to the save for later section, and I'm looking on there, and I ask her, I said, "Now I thought we agreed we were going to get those sensors." She said, oh, I thought you said save them. Let's save them for later. Let's wait (laughs) a little while. I said, uh, no, I'm going to move them back to the cart, so let's go ahead. And she said, okay, if you really feel that way. But anyway, I said all that to say, there are differences in the way we think, but there can be unity and love and oneness in a couple, in a family, and believe it or not, you can have unity in a church body. And all God's people said, and that's really true. That's really true. Just because some people are used to in their family life living like, you know, always arguing, always fussing, always a lot of drama going on. It doesn't have to be that way. And for the Christian walking in the spirit, that is not the norm. You might have been raised like that, but that's not the norm. And you and I have all had experiences in church. We've all had all kind of experiences in church. And the arguing and fussing and backbiting and talebearing and all this busybody nonsense is not the norm in the body of Christ. We ought to have our eye on the prize. We ought to have our eyes, our hearts, our, we should be focused on people are dying and go into hell, and we've got the message. And we ought to be giving it to them. So, because I believe this verse very clearly says it, by this, by what? By the love for the brethren, by the love we have for each other, by God's love working through us, by this shall all men know that we are His disciples. If you have love one to another, and that's that's essential, that's important. I believe, and I've said this forever, I believe we need to be aware lost people are watching us, they're watching us, they're keeping close tabs on us, and they, they know whether we really have God's love for each other or whether we don't, and they can pick it up, they can see it, they can recognize it. So it's important that we experience that kind of love for each other um, in a marriage or in a church. It's important that we, we since we do have different ideas and different views, that there, is, there should be, in relationships, there should be an opportunity to express your thoughts. You know, this idea... This idea that the wife is to be submissive to the husband, and he's the boss, and he's in charge, and you know, what I say goes, I mean, he is the head, the scripture makes it clear, but it's important to understand that a wise head will listen to the appeals of his wife. It's not a requirement, like you don't have to do it, but it's important to have an open heart to listen. And we just in the recent days have been talking about some of that in our own relationship, the importance of having a heart to listen, having a heart to listen. But let me encourage those making appeals and those that are coming to those that, that you're sharing. Your, it needs to be at the right time. It needs to be in the right tone. And it needs to be in the right attitude. Did y'all get that? When you make your appeal... When you're coming to make your appeal, it needs to be at the right time. It needs to be in the right tone. And it needs to be in the right attitude. And every person, husband, elder, whatever, they need to be willing to listen to those making appeal with an open mind and an open heart we are going to have different ideas. We're going to have different views. And we're going to come to a conclusion, but we need to, when the the decision has been made, the the ideal is that we're all arm in arm and lockstep together, demonstrating the love of Christ to the lost and dying world. It's, It's essential. And... Every Christian should love each other and our love should be getting greater and stronger. And it's more important than ever when we look at the big picture that God has, the bigger picture that we are are closer to his coming and we need to get this part right. And sharing our love for each other is very important. Showing our love for each other is essential. And that, that's actually, I think it's more important than getting my way. It's more important than being right. And so expressing our love for each other. We need to be able to make appeals and then we pray. And when we make an appeal and we pray we leave it at the feet of God. And we, let, we leave it at His altar. And we take it to Him and we pray without ceasing and we ask for His will to be done. And I've done that on several occasions. And I've mentioned some of them, but I've done that on several occasions here at our church. Over time, as we've faced opposition and things were, people were wanting to go a different direction, it's amazing how God has intervened if we just give it to him and let him. And this is what I have experienced personally. And I, I challenge all of you to hear this and be able to be able to appreciate this. Because I've personally seen it in, in my own life and ministry. That God is more than capable of changing a heart. And I've seen God in our relationship my wife would make an appeal and she always says, your first answer is always no. I said, well, I thought that's the way it's supposed to be. Your first, my first answer is always no. Can we do this or can we do that? No. Well, I think I'd really like to do this or like to do that. No. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, but I mean, I just thought that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, the answer, the answer is No. But here's what we've learned together as she's accepted that and not reacted as she's accepted that and gone to prayer. Guess what? God has changed my heart on more than one occasion about something that she felt very strongly about. But you know what the key was? The key was her attitude. If she'd have come after me, like, you know, with a skillet and said, look, buddy, you're wrong, dong, you're wrong, dong, you know, and I'm, oh, oh you're right, okay, we can do whatever you say. But that's not, it's that, that, uh, that response. And I've seen God change my own heart on things. And so it's so, so important, so necessary that we understand that God is so capable. He is so willing. He is so able. And I don't have to force. I don't have to pressure. I don't have to create. I just give it to God. And I've seen him over and over and over again. Change a heart. And you know what? The satisfaction is so much better when I see God do it than when I try to do it. It's never quite the same, though. If I try to get my way and push my way and finagle my way, the relationships never seem to be the same. And I just I just believe with all I believe this. I've told many of you this that God is very powerful and capable and he can accomplish his will and his plan. I make the appeals, I do my part, and then I turn I then I go to prayer. And I pray and I pray and I pray and I don't stop. I just keep on praying till he says enough is enough. But we need to see God's hand. We need to see him working. We need, it encourages the body of Christ when we can all see a miracle of God. And it it does help us to realize. And so as we see people coming and Pastor Wills is going to be coming as we as we see this day approaching, let's keep in mind that the devil doesn't want success here. You know that he's and he's going to do everything he can to throw a monkey wrench into the plans. And so let's just let's just see how uh, great this is going to be and how exciting it's going to be. So let me give you a couple more real quick thoughts here about these are some key thoughts about how to accomplish unity in the body. First is the love that we have for each other. And loving like we've been loved. Love each other just the way we've been loved. And then there's another key ingredient here in uh, in Matthew. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. This is another key ingredient to maintaining, accomplishing, getting to that point where we are... Uh, able to maintain and enjoy unity in the body of Christ and in our families it's important that and this you can you could just forget the church question just look at husband and wife question so look at verse 24 and this is a very powerful and key verse then Jesus said unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross, and follow me. Isn't it amazing the wording that Jesus chose? If you want to come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. Now, there's a message brewing, and I'm going to be preaching someday, and I don't know when or how soon, but it's on the cost of discipleship. This is one of the key verses in that series or that message on the cost of discipleship. That we, if we want to come after Christ, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny myself. Very simply, I believe denying myself is surrendering my will. I, and y'all have heard it back way back in the other building. No will of my own. And and I'm going to tell you, you talk about a key ingredient to a marriage. You talk about a key ingredient in family relationships. You talk about a key ingredient in a church relationship. If I don't insist on my will, then so much can be accomplished. And that's for everybody. That's not just one lopsided or one-sided. That's all of us have no will of my own. No will of my own. So I, I don't insist. I want, we've heard it before, I want pink polka dot carpet. No, I like red. No, I like blue. No, blue is, blue is, uh, what is blue, co- the color blue? It's like passive. It's like relaxing. Red is inflammatory. Red, you, if you have red carpet, everybody's going to be wanting to bounce off the walls if you have red. But we want calm because we, we're Baptists, right? We want calm. We don't want to get too excited. So we picked in between blue and red, we picked green. <laughs> so, so that's how we came up with that. We want to be a little halfway excited and halfway not excited. But, but the key is, now, Deny myself. Deny myself. We, how, how important is that when you and I are thinking about making plans, doing things, accomplishing things? How difficult is it for me to say, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to de- de- deny myself and then take up his cross and follow me. Now, Brother Melton taught me this years and years and years ago about this verse and about take up his cross And a lot of people say, well, my cross to bear is my my handicap or my cross to bear is this or my cross to bear. He always pointed out the cross has always been meant for one thing and one thing only. It's always been a place to die. A place to die. It's not a thing that we're carrying around. It's not a burden that we bear. The cross, the cross, the Roman cross, the cross has always been a place to die. So think about what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, not your burden, not your ailment, but take up your cross. Your cross is a place to die. Die to myself. Folks, I believe I I I hope I mean I hope we get this. Die to myself. You want to have a long marriage? You want to have a sweet relationship in church? Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to your own desires, your own wishes. It's the principle of denying yourself and dying. We are blood-bought vessels. We are the clay in the potter's hand. Jesus in the garden in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, he prayed, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's the way we ought to approach whatever it is we're going through. I, it's okay to pray that it be taken away, but nevertheless, not my will, that's denying myself and taking up my cross and following him. I'm denying myself and I'm dying to self. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, not my way, not my plans. It's yielding our rights. It's yielding our rights even when our rights are right. But it's yielding our rights and considering the other person. Another verse that's very critical here is found in Philippians. Let me just find it for you real fast. I'll read it to you. Philippians chapter 4. It's actually verse two, verse uh, chapter two, verse four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You think more of others than you do yourself. It's dying to myself, dying to my rights, yielding my rights, and that's how you and I can get along. We deny ourselves. Luke nine twenty three, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Conflicts are going to come. Challenges are going to come. There are opportunities for me to insist on my will in a marriage relationship. I I have lots of opportunities to say, I want it to go this way. But there are times that we have to yield ourselves, and it's daily, I believe. We yield ourselves and we say, Lord, I want your will to be done, not my will. It's not my agenda, but it's your plan, and I want to follow it. So we need to agree with God's Word. God's Word says that we should work hard to maintain unity. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, we are told that we're to endeavor to keep the unity in and, uh, and the body of Christ. So it's important that you and I keep that in mind, that we agree. We can When we have our invitation here, we're about to have that in just a minute, we have our invitation, we ought to all land on the same page and say, God, I know what your word says. I know what your word has said. And I believe with all of my heart, we embrace that word. It's, it's just so important that we can at least agree on what God's word says about the body working together and the body serving together and the body loving together. Because I believe that the scripture teaches that lost people's lives are at stake. And they're, and they're out there, they're dying without Christ. And strife and division is a hindrance. I think it hurts. I think it's not going to be a valid excuse for them. But I do believe they will use that as an excuse to say, well, the reason I didn't is because of this. We don't need to understand that. Then lastly, let me just, let me just say this very last thing, and we'll touch on this again in the future. But there's real freedom and we've talked about this many many times but there's real freedom when you talk about yielding your rights, denying yourself uh, taking up your cross daily, all these things, thinking more of others than you do yourselves. But there's real freedom that can come when we start understanding and appreciating jurisdiction. If we can just understand jurisdiction, that's not in my jurisdiction, I don't need to trouble myself with this. It's not my area. And so it's very important that we understand jurisdiction. You relax, take a deep breath, and say that's not my jurisdiction, that's his jurisdiction. The wife says that's not my jurisdiction that's my husband's jurisdiction now I've done everything I've appealed, I've done everything I know to do and and I can't do more, and he's just being he just he's he's not moving as fast as I'd like to see him move, but there's real peace, there's real freedom that comes. When you say, I've done everything I can do, it's in his jurisdiction, it's not mine. So all these things, loving each other, denying ourselves, yielding our rights, no will of my own, all these things. And then when you add understanding jurisdiction, you put all that together in agreeing with God's word, you and I can actually have great fellowship in church if we really can put all this into practice. So let's do that. We've got some opportunities coming up, and I'm just confident that uh, that we will see opportunities in the future where where God will say, remind us of messages like this, where we know that we need to love each other, where we know that we need to deny ourselves. I don't need to get my will done. I'm going to yield my rights. I'm going to take up my cross. It's a place to die. And and it's not my jurisdiction. You talk about freedom, you talk about enjoyment, you talk about peace, you talk about uh, unity in the family, it is wonderful. So now then, I said I had a little surprise for you. I don't do this very often, but I'm confident, I'm very confident that probably a lot of people, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything, okay? But I'm just saying I know human, I know I've worked with people for a long time. A lot of people could say, Pastor, I think because of the circumstances that we've just been through, you just put that sermon together just for this circumstance. And you probably thought that. Some of you might have. But the little surprise for you is, if I can find it, the surprise is, and I don't do this often. I've told you, I told you, I don't do this often. The date, this is a sermon I preached on 6-20-21. So if anybody thought, man, he, did, he, he took the circumstances and those things that just went, we just went through and all these different things and he put all that together and he came up with a message and, and I think that was just directed right, right to me. Well, it probably was back then too. <laughs> you know, because not a whole lot has changed, you know, but, any, but anyway, it's dated 6 2021. I don't often do that and I don't even tell you I've done it a couple of times here lately but uh, anyway, I thought I would just surprise you and say if you thought I'd just put this together just for you, it happened way back in 21, okay? Let's have prayer. <clears throat> Give you a little bit, of, little bit of joy here before we leave. Father, thank you for the word, for the truth of the word, for the just the power of your word. How you these scriptures are so absolutely powerful that we if we want to follow after Christ, deny ourselves, take up our cross, a place to die and follow him. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, help us to be ready to respond, that we would be open to you, that we would accomplish Uh, your will and obedience, that our church would be a lighthouse, that people would see Christ living in us and through us. We look forward to the days ahead for the future with Pastor Will coming and pray that he would be encouraged and he would encourage us. And We love you and thank you for this day together. In Jesus' name, amen.